Okay, this is Monday Mail Call for the Witch's Castle of Utica. How are you, Sam? I'm doing all right. How are you? I am not bad. Um, not bad. We're in That's, a, um, I don't uh, know. The, oh, I was going to say, we're in a winter weather advisory today. Are you really? Yes. Ice, I, rain, freezing rain, and snow. I don't know if we are. You're not. Boy, I hope. Okay. <laughs> Good, good. And see, this is this is why we have this is why we have studio facilities distributed yeah. throughout the Midwest, everybody, because you 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 don't want all of the people in one facility in case no. the the winter um, <laughs> the winter freezing rain advisory hits. And that is a sort of Midwest sort of colloquialism that I found very interesting. The the shift to saying ice rain when I moved to Michigan. I've never um, heard ice rain. Really? No, that I is hear, not a I thing. Hear ice, ice rain, <laughs> freezing rain. Much. Yeah, that's what I always grew. up I've with. never and ever heard a. Sing- I've lived here my whole life, and you are the first person I've ever heard say ice rain. <laughs> it might just be my in-laws then. Must um, be. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Ice um, rain. It's localized to particular neighborhoods in certain counties. <laughs> Must be. Um, yeah, freezing rain, ice rain. I, yeah, never yeah, ever or, heard that. <laughs> or was it when I was down south in like? Southern Indiana, they call it ice rain. I can't remember. That feels like something, like having lived in Kentucky, um, th- that feels like something they would say there. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know that for sure. All I know is there are regional variations for weather terms. Yes. Terms like grapple. Yeah. Which uh, apparently. Um, well, that's not a regional thing. That is an actual like meteorological term. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never heard of ice rain i can claim to have never heard of grapple so. <laughs> well that's fine you don't have to have heard of grapple <laughs> the grapple thing folks was on um a live uh live video we did on facebook yes where we were walking around the cemetery in the midst of a grappling i guess <laughs> we're being grappled I, I i don't know i guess that's what you call it um, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I'm not sure what the v- verbal a precipitation event <laughs> A precipitation event. That sounds sinister. <laughs> a precipitation event occurred. Okay. Um, two show comments. Um, there was a comment, uh, another comment on our Edmund Fitzgerald video we did. Um, and uh, they, they asked that we do more shipwreck and industrial disaster shows in the future, which I and some other comments that uh, would work really well if we did another shipwreck and industrial disaster show <laughs> in the future. So I think it's safe to say. That's on our list of topics that are definitely possible ones. I, I, I think. That, if, yeah, that's, if it fits into the legendary category. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Let's let's not discuss. Let's not define legend. Um, well, no, but well, I'm just saying yeah, yeah. we're not telling just just history. Like you know, one day a factory blew right. up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, some, sometimes <laughs> stories where industrial disaster or shipwreck stories where there are spurious accounts that emerge that we sift through. Yes, because, I mean, we only did the Edmund Fitzgerald video, I feel, because it's such a thing that has gone down in, like, public memory, kind of. Um, but it's not like it's uh, – I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, mystery it's, it's it's, i mean it's it, not it's, mysterious i mean right and it's so great lakes iconic yes yes that that you can't not mention it and um, my dad instilled <laughs> a yeah, great you're, appreciation you're, for it in me so it, it, it's imprinted upon <laughs> it is it know. is um but 
yeah, there are some things that might involve maritime stuff mm-hmm. coming up in the new year. Yeah. So definitely is it's 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 one strand that's uh one strand of our bow of our kaleidoscope of topics. You're mixing metaphors. Oh, I, I'm, I'm mixing metaphors all over the place. I'm I'm Shakespeare, basically. Okay. So Shelly on Facebook said, the idea of a witch's something seems pretty common amongst urban legends. We have a cemetery locally that somehow got dubbed the witch's circle. I'm not sure how or why. It's a pretty typical 19th century graveyard. As a result, what was a pretty little graveyard in the woods between farm fields is now a vandalized ruin. Yeah, the the witches thing. There's uh, um down in Kentucky as well. Uh, I think in Somerset, Kentucky, there's a a supposed witches chapel or witches graveyard that has a a high profile but a spurious. That's the second time I've wor- used the word spurious today. A spurious history. I think it's definitely one of those things, kind of like some of the urgent urban legends we talked about in our Halloween episode well, of the and, and there's the body um, there's the Ada witch here in Michigan which is another witch associated with a cemetery and there's also a witch legend that relates to a ghost town that we may or may not cover in the future so I'm not going to <laughs> get into <laughs> get into that but um I think when people can't explain things they they go to magic and also women are great scapegoats for things so witches oh, yeah, witches ab- are absolutely. scapegoats yeah. and it's like ah this place is creepy and there's no ghost or what it's like yeah it's a witch <laughs> right like absolutely burn the witch, witch. <laughs> yeah and there's also cases of women being accused of actual witchcraft mm-hmm. that persist into the 20th century which i i've yeah. is on my radar for a possible possible episode topic in the future there's some interesting stories here in the great lakes region of of the 1920s and 30s women being accused of witchcraft and and sort of the people accusing them realizing there are no witchcraft laws in the books what do we do and and so how the legal system is and and social pressures are Mm -hmm. manipulated in much the same way that witches were accused of things back in the 17th century um and and we have a a, a witch town topic for our next season lined up so yes we do yeah yes more we do. witches in our future <laughs> more witches in the future yeah we need to find some warlocks um or sorcerers just to you know <laughs> I, I, I like i like the gendered history of witches i like getting into yeah, that so. <laughs> and and there and there isn't really a a male gendered history of witches it doesn't really go both no. ways there's no, no Gosh, somewhere out there, there's a impenetrably written academic paper on masculinity, sorcery, and witchcraft. And you're a wizard, I'm Harry. Just, yeah, <laughs> I assume that's a Harry Potter reference. Yes. yes. Um, Jordan uh, on um, on Facebook says, "How many places like Witch's Castle or Witch's Something uh, was made up or envisioned by bored teenagers looking to be thrilled or scared?" It's interesting how these places have a sort of ascribed status, and I'm sure this is more of a thing in the Midwest. It's just sad that there was a very real tragedy that became attached to the Witch's Castle to add to its atmosphere. Yeah, you know, I think I mean, like the occult has been attracting teens for ever right like right girl has crush on boy who doesn't notice her or you know person dreams big you know someone buys i mean look at ouija boards like i played with ouija boards when i was you know like 14 years old at a slumber party so um you know i mean from from that i i don't know it's just 
I, I don't know if teenagers are like, they're always dreaming, wishing, wondering about the future, wondering about the world. And so it seems like a very natural thing to gravitate to, um, you know, in, in some ways. I mean, that's sort of, I mean, all of those games that what what is it light as a feather or something 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 <laughs> yeah, light as a feather stiff as a board yeah, yeah. stiff as a board i can remember yeah. what the other part was but i mean all of those things grow out of like well i mean they don't grow out of slumber parties but i mean they become popular because like people do them at slumber parties right so um right. yeah they're social activities they're yeah. they're a lot of the times it's social activities and um sort of to expand on that i think i think adolescence is a time of of, of sort of the the mushy headed brain development stage of exploring new ideas yeah. in a, a very beginning sort of way, and the number of at least when I was a kid, and, and probably even more so, um, you know, decades later when you were a kid, Sam, there were um, not decades, but uh, <laughs> later when you were a kid, um, lots of books about paranormal subjects, both factual and fictional, aimed at a youth market. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the first I mentioned this in our, our I think our paranormal's personal episode. The first book about ghosts I ever read was the world's most famous books by Daniel Cohen, and I got it from well I think my friend Andy got it from you know the Scholastic Book Order mm-hmm. form, right? So oh yeah, I had goosebumps moving. and scary yeah. stories to tell in the dark, and <laughs> you know all of those things as a kid. Yeah, and and some people like read some and then gravitate away from it, and some people like me move on to books written for adults mm-hmm. about those topics when they're reading level gets to that point and you know it's it's a it's a thing where a lot of people get into it as young people who who a lot of people who stick with it sort of lifetime as mm-hmm. an interest get into mm-hmm. it as young people so it's, it's not just i think i think bored teenagers looking to be sca- thrilled or scared absolutely part of it mm-hmm. but i also think it's it's part of this seeking and questing phase of of life as well and i mean i think i mean divining the future is like I mean, what teenager doesn't want to know what their future is going to be like? And so all of these different things from, you know, psychics to palm readings to Ouija boards to whatever, if there's something out there that can provide an answer, I mean, that you're you're going to look for it. I mean, all of those games, um, I think they're like sort of British, British Isles in origin, but, you know, all those games that are like were played at Halloween, you know, like peeling the apple and throwing the peel over your shoulder to find out who you're going to marry or saying certain things into a mirror. You know, there's a whole slew of them that I used to know from museum programs about the history of Halloween (laughs) that I can't remember right at this moment. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's what a lot and they, and they were again, young girls and things who were, who were doing this and um, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Um, finally, uh, general fan ma- fan mail from <laughs> Teresa, who loves the show. Um, thank you. Mentioned um, uh, my love of, and I, I talk about this on on my other show, The Saucer Life, a lot too. I love citations. I love footnotes. Um, I, I think they're they're few and far between mm-hmm. in uh, in the paranormal. And on the the Witch's Castle episode, I think that's one thing that we we ran into a lot is is not just a lack of citations a lack of even mentioning what right. the um what the source of a story might be so i thought it would be be good to sort of just mention a little bit how historians why historians like citations i, I think a lot of times we see it as it's sort of seen as like well proof that you got the story from somewhere mm-hmm. but i think there are other 
reasons to to cite work, other uses for citations. Yeah, I mean, first, I mean, in in what I do in public history, there are a few sources on the the um, the family that I I don't want to say work for, but I mean, the family I study, <laughs> interpret, whatever. Um, and when I go back to them, and as then there's no citation or there's no. Um, even just a sense of where the information came from, like it's just hard to to check it to see if it was in fact true or if it's something that someone heard from somebody from somebody from somebody <laughs> that that has made it to print. Um, but then we can also go back through. I mean, if a book was written in the '60s about the subject, we can then go back to it and look at it with new eyes and see what new kinds of interpretations or if other sources have now been found, you can marry that with these new sources and maybe the the story even changes because, you know, people always joke that history doesn't change, but history does change because we are constantly finding and giving the first read through. I mean, I have a whole archive that is full of family letters and I have not read them all. I've been there almost five years and I have not read them all. And so there are probably things in there that have never been read before. And so when we get to it, I mean, there could be something that changes the way we look at, you know, one of these people or what they did in in a completely new light. And so we need to go back. We need to be able to go back and um, yeah, I mean, like I said, check it or reinterpret it or, you know, mix it up with the new stuff and, and, you know, get a more nuanced yeah. perspective, I guess. Y- yes, a more nuanced perspective. Um, finding the footnotes and citations that previous people have used and and sort of, like you said, being able to go back further and further, finding new sources. And when we talk about folklore and old stories, I mean, there's ways to cite those things as well. I think the best example of that that Teresa mentions are Joshua Cutchin's books that, that uh, many of which involve you know, fairy lore. There are sources for fairy lore stories. Uh, you don't just have to say there's an old Celtic tale about such and such. You yeah. can say there's an old Celtic tale that this Evans Wentz guy collected back in the early 20th century and wrote about in this book. And he talks about where he learned these things mm-hmm. from which person in which village. So you can you can trace stories down to a more local place and an actual person who might not know where the original origins of the story were, but it's way better than what we had for the witch's castle. So citations, a, a luxury we le- rarely get. Well, And, and you in- can cite oral interviews too. I mean, it doesn't have to be like leading us back to an actual document or something like that. But even for more modern topics that aren't like what we think of as being like oral, tra- oral tradition type legends, folklore, whatever, but y- you, you should still cite the, um, you know, the person, when you did the interview, who you did the interview with, that kind of thing, because the person who you're talking to could have a certain perspective on an event. And, you know, I mean, we're all people, we're all fallible. <laughs> so, um, you know, having that allows you to know like, oh, well, what was this person bringing to the table when they told you this piece of information that th- you then wrote down in a book? It doesn't mean it's wrong necessarily. It just means that we can get a more complete picture of how the story was assembled. And being cynical, we can sort of have a better idea that the author isn't just making something up. Oh, completely. (laughs) Completely. That fits fits their narrative. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the mailbag for uh, mail call for this week. Um, Mailbox, mail collection device for this week. So 
Sam, any last words? Wow, that sounds grim. Um, <laughs> any any final comments? Um, no, we're getting ready for our final um, episode of the season. So it's going to be a fun one. So make sure you check that out um, a week from the day you can listen to this. <laughs> um, it'll be a, a nice sort of fun holiday festive kind of show. So I'm excited to, yes. to get it recorded and get it out to you guys. Absolutely. And if you haven't uh, followed us on Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, at Great Lakes Lore, uh, please do so. We're going to be playing around with some live videos, some sort of extra things, especially during the, the sort of New Year's holiday break. We might pop in and, and say some things. We've got some video up on Facebook of mm-hmm. the field trip we took to a supposedly haunted cemetery <laughs> in Byron, Michigan, where we discuss meteorological events like grobble. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I'm going to be able to grab that and edit it and throw that up on YouTube oh, as well. Oh, fun. So, um, and I, when I have time. if you like what you hear, please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That's always helpful for our placement, ratings, all of that good kind of stuff. So um, yes, if you could absolutely. be so kind. <laughs> yes, absolutely. A Christmas present to us. <laughs> yes. And we thank those who have done yes. so, so far. We really appreciate it. And we love hearing any kind of feedback. So um, Aaron didn't choose to to share that somebody wrote in and said how much they enjoy me. So <laughs> uh, uh, okay, okay, I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. That, that, that. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm, I, I'm I totally didn't. joking. Okay. Um, not joking that somebody did. Well, yeah, that, say did, that. Happen. So, <laughs> that did happen. So that did happen. But uh, yeah, and I didn't want to say. The thing is, if I say it, if I highlight it, it makes it sound like like. And you're not going to believe this. <laughs> no, I know. So. <laughs> I'm totally just being funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. Uh, and enjoy. Uh, continue. If you're listening to this on the sort of time at the time of release keep enjoying your december yes um be safe enjoy the uh enjoy the holiday season in in whatever way you you feel fit Mm -hmm. and uh, we will talk to you later all right bye everyone